Welcome to the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, John. Here with me today is Alex. Hello. Today, we're going to talk about some Lies of P, Mortal Kombat 1, some cyberpunk, and some news. But before we get to all that, you can find all the places you can listen to our show. Check out MidwestGameNerds.com slash links. The Midwest Podcast Network has a Patreon. The Patreon supports all the shows on our network. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month and help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out at mpn.bz slash Patreon. Thanks to Jason K, Tom Z, David O, and Corey Z for their contributions. One of the perks to join the Patreon is to get early access to our bonus episodes that we call Side Quests. Side Quests are where we veer off outside the realm of video games into food, beverages, movies, TV, and more. Join our Patreon to get those episodes a week early. As always, we do appreciate your feedback, which you can send to MidwestGameNerds at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher. Alex, any bumpers for the network? Yes, the Horror Movie Yearbook Boys, uh, a couple weeks ago, put out an episode on 1994's The Crow. Yeah, I'm going to have to listen to that whole thing. interest to you, yes. And and, uh, they will be talking about a 1988 movie called Flesh Eaters, which is a movie that neither of them, or Flesh Eater, that it's a movie that neither of them have ever seen uh, that is available for viewing on Tubi. Directed by a man named Bill Hinsman, uh, who I believe um, has some pedigree in the horror uh, genre as a as a cinematographer, and uh, you know was around those parts. So it should be an interesting discussion uh, that they have on Flesh Eater. So please check that out. Horrormovieyearbook.com. dot com. I I find it slightly interesting that they chose the crow because I don't ever really considered the crow a horror movie so to speak but i suppose it's like um it being based around like devil's night and everything like that and just the overall idea of like resurrection of a redemption spirit of sorts i guess is kind of horror-esque like horror adjacent in a manner they're i think they're moving uh so i have not listened to the episode yet i'm a little bit behind on horror movie or book but my understanding is they're they're doing a little bit they're leading into halloween a little bit mm-hmm. and obviously like devil's night i think is a pretty specific not specific but a very strong detroit thing more so than other geographical locations the idea of the night before halloween is a is a rough and scary night to be out yeah. um is very detroit specific so i think they kind of play into that as well but i'm excited to listen uh, hopefully the rest of you are as well. Yeah, it, uh, Corey's not going to listen to this, so he can't really correct me if I'm wrong. So we're going to just <laughs> pretend that I'm correct on this no matter what. But his stepdad went to school with James Obar, who is the creator of The Crow, and used to watch him draw pictures like all the time in his notebooks of... Char- like He used to draw The Predator a lot, I guess, okay. and like other things like that, of that nature. Uh, and like other... like crazy creepy things Interesting. Um, and he's from detroit so james obar is from detroit that's cool uh, i didn't know that yeah very cool. so i i actually have they they reissued the original graphic novel as a hardcover not too long ago and i have a copy of it that was misprinted so the pages are kind of offset like a, an inch like almost an inch and a half uh, to where they're chopped off at the top and the bottom is like sh- is just white bar. Um, not that I'd think it'll ever be worth anything. Maybe if I got it signed or something, it would be. But uh, I was kind of bummed because I really just wanted to read the original graphic <laughs> novel, but it, it's like missing some text and things. 
So well, I would always take that as license to be able to pirate it because you do. Yeah, or just able. I'll just buy another one. I received it as also a Christmas possible. present a few years ago. So yeah, um, but I'm I'm a huge fan of the Crow. I also think it has one of the best like movie soundtracks of all time. Uh, when they made their post about it on Horror Movie Yearbook's Instagram, I I mentioned that that's the only Cure song that's worth a damn or something like that. Like. <laughs> Which one I'm not is it? A, I don't even know. It's called Burn. Uh, uh, it's not it's a, a great not a big one. <laughs> it's that's the thing is it's not a big song because all of their big songs are kind of not good. Like they're just kind of they're they're whatever. They're the Cure. I don't know. I think Robert Smith's kind of annoying, but that's for a whole other show or something. Uh, really, Burn is a great song. All all of the songs on that soundtrack are really really good. It's it's pretty rad. Um, It'll, it'll not, give you, it'll give you some like Matrix vibes just because it's like early. Well, it's like early '90s music, whereas Matrix was like late '90s music. So it, kind, but it kind of has the same feel of like grungy alt rock sort of thing going on. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I have not. I don't think I've ever seen The Crow all the way through, because I wasn't allowed to watch it when you were really into it because I was too young. Yeah. Uh. I was probably too young to watch it, but mom was yeah. just like, mom knew that I liked Bruce Lee at the time, yeah. and she's like, oh, it's Brandon Lee, it's Bruce Lee's son, let's watch this movie. Oh, he died filming this movie? Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And then then we watched the Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, and it's like, oh, it's because of the Lee family curse, you know? Like, mm-hmm. so, I yeah, but um, it's, if you haven't seen it all the way through... I haven't seen the third movie, and I know there was a TV show for a while. The second movie picks up right kind of after the first movie ends. Not right after, but a few few years later. So it has the same one of the same main characters in it, which is cool. Uh, but not Eric Draven. It's got another guy. I can't remember his name. But uh, the first movie, I think, is very cool. Um, the ending feels a little cheesy, but... As, I, I mean, it's been a few years since I've actually watched it myself. I should go back and rewatch it, but it's uh, it it would just hit all kinds of nostalgic points for me to where I, I wouldn't care if it's good or bad. Like, yeah. it just it's all it's, it's always going to be good even when it's yeah. bad. Kind of like the pest. Yep. <laughs> you watched it at the right time. Yeah. So, it it yeah. it has it is permanently ingrained in my brain as being a great movie. I do because I listened ahead to figure out what they were going to talk about next time. Uh, I did hear that they both enjoy the movie. So, and I and I and it sounded like Tim maybe has come around on it a little bit after having not liked it previously. So, uh, you know, I I don't I don't think it's as bad as you think it could be because you are partial to it regardless of its quality. Yeah, I mean, I it, I suppose it could just be something where it's like um, it's a comic book movie in a way, but mm-hmm. like before comic book movies, yeah. like it, it was a comic book movie that didn't try to do all the crazy fantastical like special effects or anything. Like it was very practical, and yep. it it just like it has some moments where you're kind of just like, okay, this is a little bit weird. And if I recall correctly, the director also did Dark City. Yeah, Alex Proyas. I, I'm pretty sure. I, I could be very wrong about that. I'm going to try and look it up while we're talking. But um, 
uh, let's see, director. Yeah, Alex Proyas did that. Screen screenplay by David J and David J. Shaw and John Shirley. That's the, this is the crow. Um, anyways, point being, um, it has like a cheesiness to it, like a comic book movie would have. But at the same time, it's like a good story in a way. It's a good like revenge story, I suppose. It you could call it like a John Wick before John Wick sort of thing, except there yeah. were no puppies murdered in this. Well, that's you know? good. Yeah, that's just good. the dude's fiance. I mean, it's no big deal. <laughs> just a classic fridging story. Yeah, all I, they they also have like the dopest apartment in all of Detroit, while Detroit is just a living hellhole. Like, because yeah. this was this was this was this movie came out in. What was it, 94? Yeah. So that's when Detroit was not in a great place at all. <laughs> so um, Alex Proyas went on to direct Gods of Egypt, a uh, That's a bad, Midwest film nerd's... Uh, bad like, movie, but a favorite of the film nerds. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys uh, love that movie. <laughs> and a present <laughs> that was uh, given to everybody uh by willie <laughs> because he bought all the copies from oh the he directed i robot too i didn't know that yeah yeah for some reason i confuse alex price and alex garland because they're both named alex i guess yeah. alex garland went on to do um uh ex machina but anyway that's besides the point doesn't matter at all horrormovieyearbook.com check out their episode on the crow yeah, that was a lot longer conversation about the crow than I was expecting. But it's okay because we don't. Who knows how long the rest of this episode is going to be? But let's talk about this. What are you playing on your Xbox or on your PlayStation or on your Nintendo Switch? What you've been playing? Okay, you do one first, and then I'll do one, and then you do one. All right, I'm going to start with Mortal Kombat One, which I okay. did talk about a little bit last time. I have since finished the story, and I have now played a good amount of the invasions mode. Um, just to touch on the story, it doesn't reach the highs of Mortal Kombat 11 for me, but I do think they do some cool things. There's one thing that I want to spoil so bad, but I don't want to spoil it for people because I think it's really the only thing that's like a lot of fun in this particular story. So I'm not going to do it. Maybe I can, I think Willie uh, has, has played it. So maybe I can convince him to do a spoiler cast just so I can talk about it. Right. But, um, but it, you know, it's, if you like mortal Kombat, you will enjoy this story. It might not be as good as 11, but I think there's this weird, like, uh, it, it's the opposite of the Star Trek movies, where, like, in the Star Trek movies, only the even numbers are good, like Wrath of Khan and uh, The Voyage Home. Um, with Mortal Kombat, the odd ones are the good ones, because Mortal Kombat 9 and Mortal Kombat 11 were great. Mortal Kombat 10 was meh, and Mortal Kombat 1, which is actually Mortal Kombat 12, is okay. Okay. In terms of story. So all of that, you know, take that for what you will. Um, the invasions mode is interesting. Last time I said it was a little bit of a board game style thing. And that's not wrong. It kind of looks like Mario Party in a way with like little circles. And okay. at each circle node thing, 
there's some type of challenge. So they did bring back Test Your Might, which you might remember from from the original game, where you're just mashing the button to try and fill up a meter to break like a cinder block or whatever. Right. So they brought that kind of thing back. They also have some challenges that are like survive, where you're trying to hop over and duck under projectiles as they move across the screen. Uh, this is only in Invasions mode. The test your might is in the story, I think, a couple times. Um, and then the rest of it is all fights, but sometimes there's weird or interesting modifiers that are like, oh, we're going to rain acid on you from, you know, whatever direction. Or sometimes these, like, ball of lightning will shock you or, you know, different challenging things like that. But the other layer on top of it is when you walk onto a node, it's like... You're going to fight Raiden, and Raiden has an element assigned to him. His is obviously lightning, and right. Liu Kang has, like, fire and lightning because he's kind of an Elder God-ish thing. He got some of Raiden's power. That's, like, a story thing that doesn't matter that much. Uh, reptile is acid, whatever. So there's, like, ten attributes, and they have a Pokemon-style strength and weakness chart. So basically, throughout this conquest mode, as you're moving along the board game board thing, you can switch your characters in and out to play play with that elemental advantage. So, like, if you are playing, uh, if uh, acid works well against the normal type, so reptile beats out uh, Johnny Cage isn't normal. He's like weird energy i don't know what it is i don't know what it's called it's like a it, it looks like a yin yang symbol but on the side i don't know but uh but there's like some some people are like normal typed like i think smoke is like normal and night so some some of them have like two types to them but anyway you can you can pick your character in this invasions mode depending on whichever node you go on to in order to get an advantage over that particular square and throughout this whole thing you're also building up experience to level up your characters where you can put points into stats or you can just tell it to auto pick which is what i did and it'll just for every character it'll automatically assign those those points to give you an advantage and there hasn't been that much challenge to it and it sounds like they're going to do seasons with this so it might change up every 30 40 50 days or so um and at and but every season there's a bunch of new like skins and palette swaps and things that you can get for all the characters in the game uh for no additional cost there's also like um a premium currency not a premium currency but like a seasonal currency that you gain so you can go buy other cosmetics that are available throughout the season so overall i think it's cool it's kind of like a little bit of a way to flesh out the game for single player people uh, without having to play online. Cause I'm sure if I tried to play online, I would just get destroyed by anybody who I tried to fight. Um, but it's, it's fun. I'm having fun with it. It's a reason to stick around after you finish the story. And I do feel compelled to try and finish out the season because the season is like the fun, it's a it's a scorpion themed season. So all of the palettes that you get for your all of the characters are very scorpion color like yellow red. Mm-hmm. And then there's a cool scorpion skin that you can get if you finish the season too. So um 
that's pretty cool. I've been enjoying it. And, uh, you know, it's not going to be my favorite because 11 was very good. But I've enjoyed it. And uh, I don't know if it was worth paying more money to play it a couple days early. <laughs> but I did it because I'm a sucker. So, uh, but I will also get the DLC characters that come out. Um, so that's that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, I would only play as Peacemaker. Yeah, that's pretty sick. I'm excited to see Peacemaker uh, in action, and um, yeah, no, it's it's cool. Cool. I don't remember the last Mortal Kombat game I played, so I couldn't. <laughs> it's been a long time. I think you know, it's been. The- I think it's been since. Um, Probably whichever the one where they first introduced like Sub Zero with his sword. That's sword. like that's like uh de- that'd be Deadly Alliance, which is like the first PS two. Yeah. But that that's the interesting right. thing is that like Mortal Kombat nine ten Mortal Kombat nine was like a remix of one, two, and three. And they did do a good job of peppering in some of the later characters into earlier in the timeline by going back in time like yeah. that. And then 10 and 10 takes things kind of into the future there. And then 11 kind of meshes the two together because 10 introduces like children of the combat kids or what they're called. So you get Johnny Cage and Sonya's daughter, Cassie. Right. And Jax has a daughter named Jackie. Uh, Kung Lao has like a, a son named Kung Jin. And then I think, uh, Kenshi has a son too. So those are the combat kids. And then like the cool thing about 11 is that they bring back characters from like a Mortal Kombat 2 time frame, but it's in this future that they got to in Mortal Kombat 10. So you get this older, wizened Johnny Cage looking back at his, like, most bravado full of himself and being like, what the fuck was I doing? And, like, that's yeah, kind just of... Yeah, like, like, super self-referential, like... Yeah, extremely self, self-referential, self but also very knowing about what these characters were, and that's what's yeah. really cool about Eleven. Twelve starts to... 12 really does, and it's like I, I think I almost got to last time where I was like, I think this is what they're doing. They are kind of remixing more of that PS2 era of Deadly Alliance and Deception and Armageddon. And I think they do okay with it, but that was really when they started getting to a point where they needed to hit the reset button like they did in Mortal Kombat 9. Yeah. And, uh, and it kind of shows in a lot of ways and there's a lot of weirdness that goes on, but I think they kind of go in a cool direction with it and at least a funny direction with it. And, um, but you know, it just Mortal Kombat 11 was just such a specifically cool thing that only they could do. Uh, and I, I don't think 12 quite gets there again. It's hard to replicate that. So anyway, enough about. Mortal Kombat. So, I I uh, I pulled the trigger on Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty, which for thirty dollars I have heard it is well worth every single penny. Um, I yeah, haven't. I heard gotten, it's like twenty thirty hours at least. Yeah, and like I haven't not even, even necessarily completionist. I haven't even like, gotten 
anywhere near it because I forgot how long the intro of that game is. I'm still, I'm Jackie Wells is still alive. Is if that's any indication as to where I'm at in the current okay. playthrough. My first question: What did you end up buying it for PS5? Yes. Okay, because I know that you were thinking about where you were going to get it. Okay, and then second question is: What opening? What background did you pick? Uh, this time I chose the Nomad. Okay. Okay. The 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 first playthrough I played as um Street Rat or whatever. Street Yeah, the Street Rat one or street whatever kid. it is. Street Kid and then my second playthrough that I actually completed the game in I played as a Corpo. Okay. And so this time I started as a Nomad. Um it's kind of I was a little disappointed that you kind of like that you kind of just get rid of the Nomad car like within the first 5 minutes mm-hmm. like you just no longer have it cuz that that junker was kind of funny. Yeah. Like, you, there's all these fancy looking cars driving around Night City, and you've got this, like, piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, performance. Uh, it's unbelievably fantastic looking, which it already was. Like, I don't think it could have. I, like, I, I'm trying to remember how it looked before, but it feels like there's more variation to the NPCs walking around and everything. Like, there's clearly, like, like every everything got polished like big time it runs yeah. like probably it's, it's probably a solid 30 frames with full ray tracing on the ps5 going uh if you turn the ray tracing off and put it in performance mode it is like smooth as butter 60 frames like beautiful um textures and everything are great i forgot how much i enjoyed the way the the uh, adaptive triggers and haptic feedback on the PS5 DualSense controller feels in that game because it has such a profound effect on like what you're doing. Like my hands get tired doing things playing that game <laughs> because of the triggers, like driving the cars around and like feathering the throttle and everything. And you know, different every every gun has like a different feel to it, which is incredible. Um, you know, doing the the staged boxing match against the robot in the in your apartment tower, like feeling feeling the triggers get harder to pull as you get more and more tired, like that kind of stuff is crazy. That they they went all in on that stuff. They they did that before, but I forgot about how great that is. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. Again, and I, that, the thing is, I don't know when you when you beat it as a corpo. Like, they didn't release, like, actually release next-gen versions of the game until, like, February of 2022. Yeah, I I mean, I bought it when 1.6 came out, which was, like, the big, big update that made everything run better, which I think was when the next-gen update dropped, because they put it on sale. I didn't pay full price for it, because I wasn't going to pay. I I paid $100 for the super deluxe version before or whatever, so I wasn't going to do it again. (laughs) 1.6 came out, like, September of 22, so that would have been post-PS5 game release, which, because before that, it was just a PS4 game playing on PS5. Right, and it wasn't even available. You couldn't even buy it in the store for the longest time, because they pulled it for being such a piece of shit. Like, yeah, because there they were, like, four NPCs walking, and they were all the same NPC, and, like, yeah. you know, like, it was it was rough. Yeah, so it, it definitely feels more lived in. Um, I think if you, if any listeners have not played Cyberpunk at all, don't even, like, don't touch the game yet until you watch the anime. Like, you should watch Edge Runners first, and then start playing the game. And 
The only reason I say that is because I feel like you will have... I think Edge Runners gives you a better like overview of like what the world of cyberpunk is because the game just kind of throws you in the shit right from the yeah. get go. Um, so if you want a little more precursor, there'll be some, you know, pronouns and things that you don't necessarily like understand, uh, proper nouns that you don't necessarily understand. Um, you know, like San Devastan, that word isn't going to mean anything to you until you understand that it's one of the manufacturers of the specific types of cybernetics that you can have uh, built into you. Um, and the main character of the Edge Runners ends up getting, and it's amazing. Um, I will say again, I forgot how long the intro is, so I'm not even anywhere near touching the actual bits of Phantom Liberty because I'm still in the intro. I haven't even gotten. The I haven't I haven't even met Johnny Silverhand yet. Like he hasn't even <laughs> been introduced. Yeah. Um because the game is just so rich with it's just fun, like to just play again. Like it, it is it feels good. It's a great first person shooter, uh, in terms of gunplay mechanics and everything. Again, the guns just feel cool. Um I don't quite know what kind of character I'm going to play as yet because one of the gripes with watching Edge Runners is it makes you wish that you could play it multiplayer with people playing the different roles of the types of um you know group the whole team of the Edge Runners has you know having a specific person that is a net runner and then having like your tank and your healer and yada yada like it makes you wish you could have that in this game but ultimately you play all of those roles as one character because v is just that kind of a badass um so i haven't quite figured out what kind of character i want to play yet i do know that i will probably throw a bunch of skill points into the the body and reflexes so that i can have like super jump abilities when i get the cybernetic legs and i do really like the the brawler arms the gorilla arms that you can get where you can rip doors open and like pull enemies apart and shit like that like yeah having having that sort of melee ability is a lot of fun because sometimes like gunfights can get kind of crazy um but yeah it's I I wish I wish I had like a list of like overhaul stuff that they've done to the game that I could go through and just be like, oh, yeah, like these are really cool. But I don't really know because I it's been a while since I've played the game. So it's almost like I'm playing just a completely fresh new game all around yeah, to begin with. Uh, and, the and, and my playthrough before, I, I don't remember if I mentioned it, but I somehow was able to put in like 30 something hours. But I don't remember playing that much of it. I feel like I really only played for like 10 to 15 hours and like just kind of breeze through the whole story. And um, so for Phantom Liberty to be like 20, 30 hours long in and of itself, like I'm expecting to invest probably like 90 to 100 hours in this game, everything said and done, because I'm going to want to play way more of it than I did before, I feel yeah. like. um. I do still need to go back and play more Starfield, but like Phantom Liberty just seems more appealing right now. <laughs> like, so yeah, no, I mean the the discussions around Phantom Liberty have my interest peaked enough that like I'm I don't see myself starting a new character, 
but I might load into my old save and see how much I can kind of... Because apparently, if you just load into an old character now... Like, this is a character that hasn't been touched probably since, like... Since launch. 2020, 2021-ish. And, uh, no, I I think I beat it before we did our Game of the Year discussion for 2020. No, it was late. It was late. Anyway. Apparently, if you load into an old enough character, they're just kind of like, hey, because they've redone the skill tree completely in the 2.0 update, they just require you to respec your character off the well, bat. I mean, when I started the game, it asked me if I wanted to start from the beginning or if I just wanted to skip to Phantom Liberty. So, like, I think you can just make a new character, skip to Phantom Liberty, and, like, respec, like, just spec your whole That's character cool out too. going into Phantom Liberty. I don't know. I, I suppose I should probably try that. That's probably uh, how I should have tried it and then gone back to start over, but... Honestly, it probably won't matter to me that much because I don't remember that much about the character I was playing in the first place, but... Yeah. Um, I... I might just try that and see how the game feels and if it piques my interest to pick up Phantom Liberty because it sounds like some of the stealth stuff that they've added has really made made everything coalesce in a way that it didn't quite before. So I'm curious to maybe try some of that out, but I don't know. There's so much, like, I feel like I have... 17 precious days now before Spider-Man 2 comes out. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this? And sadly, the answer is probably just rot my brain with Marvel Snap or something like that. Right. (laughs) And Instagram Reels or something. But, like, it's kind of like, well, you know, I could pick up or I could pick up uh, Phantom Liberty and try to, like, delve into it a bit before Spider-Man comes out. But I, I don't know. It's just, it's tough. The other thing is, I have it, I bought it on the GOG store. Okay. So, it's there's a couple hoops I'd have to jump through to like put it on the Steam Deck, but I also like I don't and like I have a really nice PC. I should be playing it on my PC. Um, yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what I, I mean. I did. Uh, I did flip flop between playing it on Steam Deck and PS Five because I linked my accounts. Yeah. And, and it has cross save between the saves. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I did my last playthrough, and and that was pretty rad. Um. So, I don't. I don't know if they. You could do that between, you know, Steam and GOG or whatever. You, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I. I mean, I probably could, but I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, um, it's uh, it's cool. It, I. I think again, if you, if listener, any listeners out there who haven't played Cyberpunk, like now is definitely the time to pick it up. It's. It is. As as uh, Idris Elba says in the trailer, uh, the game is fixed, uh, and he's not necessarily talking about. I mean, he Democracy. is talking about the the story and yeah. and yeah and and everything, but also the game itself is fixed. Uh, which very clever trailer on CD Projekt Red's part. That was very funny. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there were probably plenty of people that were waiting for CD Projekt Red to make good on Cyberpunk, and I feel like there have been several places where everybody's like there's never been a better time to start playing cyberpunk but this feels like it's kind of like they're finally this is the last major update that this game is going to see yeah before they you know they're i'm sure they're plugging away on the sequel or whatever at this point uh when they announce those like projects that they're working on um but it it does the only thing i'll say and this is a gripe that i i suppose i had originally too was just like 
I, I wish I didn't feel so reliant on using the cars, like vehicles and like the mass transit to get around um, the fast travel stuff, just because like the city is so cool, but a lot of it is still empty in a way. Like there are a lot of doors that you can't go in and things yeah. like places you can't necessarily explore. And like that just kind of sucks with like how lived in the rest of the world feels like there's a lot of like stuff that kind of pulls you out of the immersion of it being this like living breathing world that they clearly tried to convey yeah um and and yeah you just like driving around all the time like i i think it was triple click or somebody was comparing it to it's like oh it's just like playing a really polished version of grand theft auto in first person and they're not necessarily wrong it does kind of feel like that the driving is a little like better i guess but um, it's been a while since I've played Grand Theft Auto, so I can't really say, but it, uh, yeah, I just like, I wish there was more of a reason to like walk around and I feel like there isn't much of one because you just, it's like, oh, go, f- you got to go a hundred kilometers in that direction. And it's like, well, fuck. And then call my car and then hop in and drive <laughs> there. But yeah. they, I will say they did, they added vehicular combat now. So, um, you can like shoot from your vehicle if you want to, or I saw in a video, somebody who basically found like one of the Akira bikes and they were riding around with a, uh, laser samurai sword and just like hacking people in half with it. Nice. Um, so that's pretty fucking cool that you can do that. (laughs) Um, Cause that's some shit that they would show you in like edge runners. Like, Oh, yeah. and, and that's the thing is like, you can use the San Devastan like time stop bullshit, like while you're driving to like slow time and like aim your guns better. And like, you know, whatever attack people with a laser samurai, like it's just, yeah, it's, it's pretty badass. That's rad. That's cool. And, yeah. A lot, a lot of the, I think a lot of the cybernetic stuff is really where the game's going to shine because they were able to figure out how to make it do the things they wanted it to do. Like I, I saw videos of people who had the ability to stop time again. I think it's the San Devastan is the sp- particular uh, cybernetic that allows you to do it, but they would stop time uh, or drastically slow down time or however it, it it's worded. Um, and then they have a, a machine gun with an extremely high rate of fire so they slowed down time in front of these two enemies that were getting ready to hit them, and they just sprayed a bunch of bullets in the air randomly around the enemies, and then they let go of the San Devastan, and all the bullets flew into the guys and killed them. Like, that's awesome. To be able, like, that's it. That's the kind of superhero shit you want to see in like superhero games, but like, you they haven't been able to really do that for you yet. But like, this game does it. Yeah. And it's just really, really cool. And if they are working on an actual MMO version of this, which supposedly they, there's rumor that they've been working on it, um, I, I would be really excited to play that with people just because I would want to have someone who's like my net runner hacking shit for me while I'm doing all the crazy ninja laser sword shit, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's cool. If, if you, again, if you haven't played cyberpunk, now is the time. Um, and I know I said you should watch Edge Runners first. You don't really have to watch Edge Runners first. It's just a really, really good anime. Um, and, and if you're not really, like a, it was a good ramp on for people that were kind of like, I don't know about this hundred percent because yeah. they released it right before the one point six drop, and then yep. everybody was like, Oh my god, that was an amazing anime, and it's this video game that is supposedly bad, but they fixed it, and then people started playing it then, and it just had this big come up at that point. Yeah, but even even like Kirk Hamilton and, and Jason Schreier and Maddie Myers are like, 
this game is really good now. Like it is, it's, it's worth playing. Like Kirk Hamilton was like, this game is one of my favorites to play now. And then Jason Schreier is like, but it's no Baldur's Gate because he's got to <laughs> fucking ruin everything. <laughs> yeah. Jason Shrek. Sorry. Used to be destiny. Now we can't get through an episode without talking about Jason Shrek. So he just makes me so mad because like he can talk about how good something is and then just tell you like, oh, but yeah, it's no this. And then he just ruins every good piece of grace. He gave something just negative Nancy. That's all. Eh. That's all he is. Yeah. Well, Jason Shrek. And telling people to get out of his swamp. Yep. All right, Alex. Uh, What's up with Lies of P? The Lies of P. So I wasn't planning on checking this game out, but uh, it's been getting some good buzz, and it is on Game Pass for those who have it. Uh, so Lies of P is a game from Neo Wiz Games, which I believe is a uh, South Korean game dev, and. Uh, this is basically, it's a Souls-like, but very specifically, like, the UI feels like it is just lifted from Bloodborne. Okay. Like, the, the life bars from the monsters when you're attacking them look exactly the way that I would expect them to look out of Bloodborne. It's not the same as Elden Ring. It's Bloodborne. And, um, kind of the, like, grim, dark, rainy, like milieu of bloodborne very much applies at least to the beginning of lies of peace so i should say i really only played about an hour and it didn't really catch me but i just don't feel like i'm in the mood right now for more souls stuff like i think elden ring really took it out of me for a while and i don't know that i'm gonna need to jump back into that world until there's dlc yeah, to just, play just souls fatigue Yes, but uh, but it feels like a very competent one of those. Like, it is very much, you know, watching your opponent's uh, animations and finding the holes in those animations and attacking when you have a window and backing off when you don't. Um, they do have that, a little bit of that, like you can recover some health if you get some hits in before your health, like the, the health that you lost actually drains away. Same as Bloodborne and, and other Souls games. Um, and one of the things that's really interesting to me, and I didn't get to a point where I had like more weapons to play with, but the weapons all come in two parts. There's like your handle and the blade. And you can swap those in and out. And what that allows you to do is, like, I think the handle kind of uh, says what of your stats the weapon will scale to. Okay. So, like, if you are bumping up your, your like, it's usually dexterity or intelligence. They have different names in Lies of P. I can't remember what they are at this point in time. But, you know, some, some of the heavier weapons require, like, high strength, basically. And some of the, like, more aimy, shooty weapons kinds of thing or, like, magical weapons would require more intelligence. And the way that you can swap handles and blades allows you to switch the stat that the weapon that the blade scales with okay so basically no matter how you spec your character you can play with versions of all of the different weapons in the game that will be advantageous for you no matter which way you specs spec, yeah. which is really cool and uh and even if you wanted to respec i don't think there's any 
Like, I don't think I got to a point where I could do that yet, but I don't think there's any big penalty or, like, consumable required to do that. I think you just get to respec, uh, you know, when you want to, and it's not a big deal, which is very cool for a game like this. Um, one of the fun things that I liked about this that I haven't seen in a Souls game, actually two things. When you get enough Souls to level up, the, mm-hmm. the number turns blue. Okay. So you never have to like wonder like, oh, should I bother going back to a uh, a campfire in a Souls game or a stargazer as it's called in this game because it's like a mechanical like star thingy. It's cool looking. Yeah. Graphics are nice in this game as well. Um, so you always know like, oh, maybe this is a time where I should start being careful because I have enough souls to go and upgrade my stats. So that's a cool quality of life thing. Another yeah, thing neat. that's cool is that if you use up all of your Estus flask equivalents, your health, uh, health, yeah, your health the, potion, the rechargeable health potion that you that you get, right. if you use them all up, you can like the more hits you land after they've all been used up, you have the ability to replenish them if you get enough hits in without dying. Basically, that's cool. Yeah, so it it kind of allows you to. You know, it, it rewards being aggressive more than some of the Souls games do. Yeah, whereas, like, if you run out, you've got to hit a campfire, which replenishes them, but then also brings back all of the enemies. But in this case, you can just, it kind of allows you to keep rolling because you're playing more aggressively. That That's cool. That's that's a cool thing. I bet you, I bet you Dark Souls picks that up. Yeah, I, I don't see why they wouldn't. Or, like, it'll be, a, it'll be, like, some sort of armor or flask thing that you can equip in the Elden Elden Ring uh, DLC or something so that you can do that kind of thing for sure Um, yeah so I think there are some novel things and I I think if I were more uh, feeling a Souls game right now um, I I would maybe stick with it Um, but I think for anybody who has Game Pass and knows that they like Souls games or anybody who's really been missing Bloodborne and wants something uh, that's at least an imitation of that, if not uh, a sequel or uh, a remaster. Um, I think Lies of P, you could do a lot worse than Lies of P, which is cool. Um, you know, and, and that's the thing. It is Pinocchio. Like, it's a it's a retelling of Pinocchio. Yeah. You know. Um, which is kind of weird, but cool. Weird, but it's okay. Like, it kind of works, and I'm trying to think of what tom asked us in the in the discord if i can find it here uh because what he said was very funny um is anyone here interested in lies of p i won't play it but the main character looks like timothy chalamet and i love him yeah <laughs> uh and yeah there's a lot of people talking about timothy chalamet or like punishing the twink that is in lies of p because he's just very much like you know <laughs> Chalamet looking. <laughs> so I, I think uh I think Shalamesque. You know, there yeah, Shalamesque. There's there's many reasons to come to Lies of P and hopefully uh you know, it sounds like people out there have been enjoying it. And from what I've heard Alright, um th- this is a spoiler for the Lies of P and I'm going to put in the show notes where you can skip ahead to. If you're really interested in this game, don't listen. If you're passingly interested, maybe this will make you interested. John, I assume you're not going to care if I reveal something about no, the end I, of this game. 
No, because I'll probably install it and play 10 minutes of it and then just be like, oh, I didn't pay for this. That's cool. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. This is cool. Okay. So spoilers for the lies of P. Honestly, for only like the next like 30 seconds, probably. But apparently the end credits, there's like a post credit scene and there's some sort of sequence where they imply the fact that Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz is going to be like a central character in a sequel to the game. Interesting. So they're building this weird cinematic universe kind of thing with like yeah. uh uh not royalty free what's the word uh public domain characters public, yeah yeah okay. like you know Frankenstein or something like you so know Winnie all the Pooh's going to get wrapped into it somehow <laughs> yeah, Christopher and... Robin is the neck the lies of Christopher or whatever yeah. who know whatever played by be. Timothy Chalamet <laughs> <laughs> they're all they're all Chalamets <laughs> and it's a multiverse you know yeah, the the MGM multiverse, <laughs> <laughs> the sh- the shall Chalamet multiverse. The- <laughs> I can't. I don't know. Anyway, I Tim- you know Timothy Cricket. <laughs> they all just have his face. Yeah, maybe they'll pull the. It's a Wonka movie tie-in. That'd be great. <sighs> <sighs> anyway, Liza P. Check it out if you're looking for a Souls like before I, the. I'll Elden I'll Ring probably stuff. give it a go at some point. I because I do like some of those more obscure Souls like games. Like I I thought the Surge was so much fun mm. until it got to a point where I felt like I was being punished, and then I'm like I don't like this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I played that game for a long time. I put a good amount of time into it, and like I you know I. I didn't really look up a lot of stuff online because I just wanted to figure this one out, you know, and mm-hmm. it was a very cool universe and the idea behind it was cool because you were like a paraplegic who was building like a mech suit off of like robot parts to like yeah. be able to whoop some ass. It was pretty sweet. Um, so, I, I mean, I am interested like to play something that's Pinocchio centric uh, but like Bloodborne, like it just sounds weird when you yeah, say it. It's but- weird enough that it maybe kind of works. And the thing, the other thing that I will say is that like, I'm not well versed in Bloodborne. It's been a long time since I've really played Bloodborne, but from what I've heard, like Lies of P generally relatively simpler than Bloodborne, which is not that surprising, you know? Yeah. They, you know, even the quality of life upgrades that I mentioned are kind of like, oh, this game is kind of trying to be nice to me in ways that a Souls game would never really try to be. Um, yeah. You know, Elden Ring aside, maybe starting to trend in that direction. Um, I think it might be a good introductory Souls game for some for some people in that way as well. Okay. Um, That's cool. So, yeah. The only other thing I heard is that, like, status effects... And, like, elemental damage come into, like, heavy play later on, which is also okay. intriguing to me. Um, I know there's yeah, a lot of there character builds. Yeah, because there isn't really a lot of... That doesn't really exist much in, like, Bloodborne. I it mean, does, it, it kind of does. Kinda but it's kind of like... It's like blood rot and weird type of shit. In yeah. the Lies of P, it's more like, this is fire, and you apply fire, or here's electricity, and you apply electricity. It's not weird, like... Yeah, is there like environmental bullshit. shit too? Like if you if you're in a puddle and you use electricity, like does it affect? You know what I mean? Like I wonder that if that's, I don't know. I don't know. Because that would be cool. Entirely possible. 
But, I mean, it's uh, easy enough to create that sort of environmental thing. Like, oh, this here's some water that looks like there's oil on top of it. I mean, they did it in Skyrim. Like, why couldn't they do it in something like this, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Right on. No, it's, uh, that sounds fun. I'll have to check that out. Yes. Worth checking it out if uh, since since you have Game Pass. So. For shout. All right. Let's do some... Uh, you don't have any other games, right? No. I mean, I, I played more Starfield, but... It's, you know, it's Starfield. It's Starfield. That's what you expect. Every, everyone's disappointed, and it's not Baldur's <laughs> Gate 3, so who cares? <laughs> I do like that people have been adding mods that make it into Star Wars, though, which is pretty cool. Like, there's a mod that makes all of the, like, any, any like, uh, like police sort of figure becomes a stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. And they made the Mantis armor into Mandalorian armor, which is pretty rad. And somebody introduced like a lightsaber mod of some sort. Um, so if, if they just end up like taking Starfield's entire being and making a Star Wars game out of it, like I described in our private chat about how I wanted a Star Wars game that's basically this <laughs> Starfield. Yeah. Uh, that would be cool. I'm for it. But that's all. That's I yeah, I played Starfield and I've played Cyberpunk and I played uh an obscene amount of Marvel Snap. So <laughs> Marvel Snap. Yeah. Enough to where my wife explained to our, one of our friends that it is the worst game in the world and she fucking hates it were the words <laughs> that she used. Um and she doesn't even play it. <laughs> <laughs> I play it and I fucking hate it, but I can't <laughs> stop playing it. So yeah. anyways, moving along, what yep. kind of news do we have to fall into? Well, I'm going to play this because I made it. And now patch notes with John, Brian, and Alex. But not Brian. <laughs> All right. Let's start with Jim Ryan is stepping down. This is the uh, the CEO of PlayStation. Uh, he is stepping down in March 2024. Um, this is somebody who joined Sony a few months before the launch of the PlayStation in 1994. Um, so he's been around for quite a long time, worked his way up the ranks, but uh, is uh, he, he's done. Which his, it makes his sense. final act before stepping down was increasing the price of PSN. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Uh, you know, probably uh, a fine move to make on your way out the door. I guess you don't. Have yeah, to I mean, deal I'm sure the... he's he has plenty of shares that are just going through the roof. You know. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I think one of the things that Patrick Klepek on Remap brought up was like this is about the time frame where they're starting to really spin up on probably what PlayStation 6 is going to look like and be. And it seems like it's probably a good point as an off-ramp for a CEO to hop off and... uh, and, um, Let somebody else kind of take the wheel. Yeah, exactly. And Hiroki Totoki uh, is the person, the current chief operating officer of Sony, is going to take over as interim CEO... Uh, in in March 2024, at the end of the fiscal year for them. So, uh, yes, Jim Ryan, the man who was basically just like, who cares about old games? Nobody plays those. Yeah, I took a personal offense to that statement, and so fuck him. Can't play let, him if you don't give us a means to do so. Don't I mean, let the door would, hit hit you on the way out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People would I, probably play him. 
I will say I've, I've been very conflicted as of late because I kind of wanted to boot up Mortal Kombat 9, which I do own on PC and actually runs pretty well on Steam Deck. But I wish I could just play it on my PS5, and I can't. But if I had an Xbox 360 copy, I could play it on my Series X because it's backwards compatible. So there you go. That, uh... It's not just on Game Pass? Like... <sighs> No, sadly. I think it got delisted at some point. Okay. I don't know. I think it maybe it's due to like the fact that uh Freddy Krueger is in the game and there's like weird rights stuff even if that gotcha. is like WB yeah. related. I don't know, something like that. But uh disappointing cuz uh I really wish they just put out like a an upres of it because I think it would be great. But anyway, so long, Jim Ryan. See you, bud. Don't let, don't let the door hit you on the way out. He did fine. He did great for the company, apparently, but yeah, I don't know. I don't like him. Uh, some sad news in Epic Games cutting 830 jobs, according to The Verge here. Uh, Bloomberg reported that the Fortnite developer Epic Games is expected to lay off 16% of its workforce. Um, that's a lot of people, and uh, yeah, they they sold off two of their other big things too. Like they sold off Bandcamp, which I didn't even realize Epic Games owned Bandcamp. Yeah, so they bought Bandcamp, did nothing with it, and then they've now sold it to Song Trader, which is a music licensing platform, which blows for a lot of like independent music, uh, like artists that that had you know, good and interesting work and a great platform made out of Bandcamp where they could sell their music and, uh, I mean, I don't know control if, of, if they're selling it to a licensing firm like that, like I would assume that it could open other opportunities for them, like to license their work elsewhere. But I don't, I don't know how much of that's going to actually happen. Um, well, I have uh, I have a bunch of friends, and, and I mean, one of my bands even, uh, Mod Orange, has music on Bandcamp. Um, but uh, I I don't really know what that means for anybody who's currently on the platform. I'm yeah. assuming you're all going to have to sign new terms of services at some yeah, point. So, which who knows how that allows this song trader to license your music that you upload right. to their service or whatever. You know, it's just. Who knows? But uh, but yeah, very sad. Uh, not great. There's a lot of closures that have been happening uh, as of late, I think, due to kind of the economic anxiety around the current economy. Um, and this does not seem to be uh, uh, something that, uh, you know, Epic could not weather the storm, despite the fact that they seem to be printing money in a lot of ways. Uh, Epic yeah, continues I mean, they, to weather were, the storm because they can make a choice like this. But right, that's they. It, you could call it. The, they grew too fast. You know, like they. Yeah. They tried to do too many things, and they should have just stayed a little more focused. But yeah. Oh yeah, well. This uh, Verge article goes on to say it's been a rough few months for the video games industry after a spate of high-profile acquisitions, including buying the Lord of the Rings IP rights. Embracer Group canceled multiple projects, shuttered an entire studio, may sell off another after a $2 billion investment deal fell through. 
And then Activision Blizzard has recently laid off employees in its Hearthstone division after laying off employees in its esports department earlier in the year. BioWare has also experienced layoffs, including longtime employees notable for their contributions to foundational games like Mass Effect and Dragon Age. And even earlier today, Sega announced that it has canceled live service shooter Hyenas before the game's launch, and that layoffs are now expected at the game's developer creative assembly. So, tough time out there right now in the video game industry, and uh, hopefully the people laid off land on their feet elsewhere. Um, it does seem like there's a lot of people that are doing good jobs of holding job fairs at places where these people are getting laid off. I've heard kind of stories of that with like different like Xbox setting up shop in some of the locations of these layoffs to kind of be like, Hey, we need people. Please come make video games with us. So, um, we need you until AI takes over. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Then we no longer need you. But, uh, speaking of, crazy sh- crazy shit in the video game industry uh unity stepped into a massive shit storm and then has yeah. significantly backpedaled since our last episode uh we could have commented on it a bit then but i i knew that this was coming they wrote an open letter to their community on their blog basically what it boils down to is they were going to charge a runtime fee to any and all current and f- and previous and future unity games games made with the unity engine which includes tons of mobile games tons of indie games uh and some very high profile games they were going to charge a 20 cent fee per install doesn't matter how long you've played the game how much you play the game how much money you spent on it whether or not it's free to play all that type of shit you were going to pay 20 cents per install They didn't have a way to actually measure how many times it had installed. They were going to ask people to self-report how many times people had installed the game, which doesn't make any fucking sense. And also, like, how would they guard against people that are just uninstalling and reinstalling the game on virtual machines or something that they spin up on Amazon? install bombing. Yeah. So, uh, on uh, September 22nd, they came out with an open letter on their blog that basically said, we are not going to do this for games built on Unity Personal, which is kind of their, like, they have different tiers depending on how much, uh, you know, how big your company is, whether or not you're an indie developer or a massive, uh, you know, developer like a Ubisoft or something like that. Um, and they have basically, like, made it so that only if you move up to the next version of the game engine will you be incurring this runtime fee policy. So games that are currently in development, of which there are many Unity games where people were like, I don't know if we're even going to finish making our game anymore because this might mean that we would never make a cent on our game. Um, They will not be affected if they don't update to the latest Unity version. Um, so good that they walked it all back in a lot of ways. They're still going forward with it. They lost a lot of trust with a lot of developers. So absolutely. I don't don't know how they're going to gain that back because this is going to do a lot of damage. And this thing is like unity is like the largest mobile, uh, engine. I believe like that's going to like decimate the mobile gaming industry to a certain extent. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, like if something like one person, like I think for for a mobile game to be profitable, like in a lot of cases, one percent of the download or of the users are people who are actually at generating profit for the game. And in a lot yeah. of ways, like your Marvel snaps and whatever might be like massive revenue generators or whatever, but they're also downloaded by a lot of people who either one, like don't go on to play it or play it rarely or never spend a dime on it. And that means that you are paying a 20 cent charge no matter what. And so if you're an indie developer trying to break out with that on a mobile uh, mobile platform, it's just not going to happen in that way. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like they've put things in place to try and, and stem the stem the blood loss they're currently experiencing. But yeah, it's hard to think that like a lot of people who are currently wrapping up projects on Unity aren't going to be like, well, my next thing's definitely not going to be on Unity or... I'm sure there are still plenty of developers that were spurned into looking how to get off of Unity, and maybe they still will because of these issues, um, you know, if they can weather that change right. during their development. So, bummer for Unity, which, you know, for a long time came up uh, a bit as the underdog against things like the Epic uh, uh, Unreal Engine, which is Epic's creation, uh, their game engine. Um, but, you know kind of cool for some of the other smaller uh platforms like godot um that seem to be getting a little bit more attention now that uh unity kind of shit the bed for a little bit there so yeah which who was it it was uh was it the terraria developer that was like donating money to godot and another engine godot Godot. Uh, yeah, so they uh, recently, I'm trying to find it. Not only did they donate, yes, Terraria developer Relogic is giving $100,000 to two open source game engines amid Unity debacle. This is uh, a story on Engadget. Um, so they were, they gave $100,000 each to the open source game engines Godot and FNA. Uh, and then also the article goes on to say it will also continue supporting both projects by giving them a thousand dollars every month, go- each every month going forward. So, you know, Terraria was built on Unity, um, and uh, you know they clearly are kind of like fuck this change, and you know they're. Terraria is big enough where, like, I don't think they need to worry about this change, but they just see this shitty change and are like, we need to affect something better with our position in the industry. And they're like, we're going to give money to these to these engines as they go to, uh, you know, as Unity goes to make these changes. So, right. Yeah. Good on good on Relogic. And, you know, Terraria is something that. I think a lot of people still play today, even though it's kind of like, uh, you know, Minecrafty came out like 12, 15 years ago at this point. Um, uh, very cool of the developer to do that. 12 so, years. Yeah. You weren't, yeah. you're were, you were right in, right on the money there. That's it's, kinda, uh, it sold it 44 like million that. copies by uh, 2022. So massive. That's a yeah. lot for an in- independent developer absolutely massive right and i mean it's available on every platform literally cell phones and tablets included 
Like, yep. Um, yeah, no, that's that's crazy. Good, good on them for sure. Yes, I haven't played Terraria in a long time. I played it back in like 2013 ish, and yeah. um, that came. It's fun. I put a, a decent amount of time into it back in the day. I don't think I really checked it out because I was just kind of like, I like Minecraft enough. Why would I do Terraria? But yeah, I'm it sure has like it has all kinds of crazy shit that like if you do certain things in a certain sequence it unlocks different like world enemies and things that like i don't know it has some it has some crazy stuff that goes on it's a very deep game considering how simplistic it is yeah yeah i yeah i'm not surprised i think uh they've had a lot of time to build on it for 12 yeah for years, sure and I, I think they still do content updates for it so definitely uh, last thing I wanted to bring up was, uh, we've talked about no clip previously, the, uh, YouTube channel from, uh, Danny O'Dwyer previously of GameSpot fame. Uh, he, uh, released a new documentary today on the Burger King games. <laughs> so this is, uh, the game, uh, Sneak King, I think was one of the biggest. And then, um, the other two. Damn, what are the name of the other two games? I don't even know. Pocket Bike Racer is one of them, and then Big Bumpin'. So these were all <laughs> <laughs> these were all games that came out in uh in two thousand six that you could get in a value meal at Burger King. Um and they played on both the Xbox and Xbox three sixty. And um it was it, it 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 was just a weird time. Like the I have started watching the documentary. It's about thirty minutes long, um, and they go through kind of the idea of the different advert games that came out. One of which they speak of is Chex Quest, which is just a skin of Doom. It's not it's not just a skin of Doom. It is it's a Doom game. It's a Doom like game. It's a boomer shooter. I guess would be what you would call it nowadays. A boomer shooter. Yes. Yeah. You haven't heard that term yet. No. Boomer shooter. Boomer shooter <laughs> is very much yeah. It's like when you think of something like the original Doom or like Quake. Uh, those those are Proteus was the most recent boomer shooter because it's made in the style of Doom. Right. And uh, but Chex Quest was a CD that you could get in your Chex cereal. That was a Doom like game, and it's fucking awesome. It's so good. It is as good as Doom, and that's probably not true. <laughs> but is it is of the quality of doom and uh and i think uh you know th- there just used to be this weird time of like you know he he brings up uh avoid the noid the noid game whatever it was and there's like the seven up game that came up where you could play as cool spot yeah i remember like the, the seven, seven up, up game. mascot i rented that a couple times from, yeah, from Bally Bally. Video. Yeah, so, like, there's this weird time, and I think these Burger King games were kind of the end of, like, you know, we're going to pay somebody to develop a game that is just a vehicle for our brand uh, in a lot of ways, and uh, I- I'm excited to keep watching, because it's just... He he even says, like, after his intro, he's just like, uh, be warned, this one goes kind of a weird place, too. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I'm just excited to see... Apparently they interview a guy who's got thousands of copies of Sneak King for some reason. Um, yeah, you can buy all three of them on eBay for 32 bucks. 
So I think you could probably get them for even cheaper than that if you looked. Like, uh, you know, I, 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 I think I, I'm pretty sure I have Pocket Bike Racer and Sneak King somewhere in like my office. I just don't know where. <laughs> but I'm, yeah, I'm pretty I, sure I, I have both had. of those. I definitely don't have Big Bumpin'. I never had that one. Okay. Yeah. I but didn't I, I know. have the other two for sure. I'm very. Uh, I'm I'm excited to watch. I don't know that I played any of them myself. Uh, I never put them in a system. I just have them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to to watch more about them uh, through the NoClip documentary. NoClip YouTube.com slash NoClip. Uh, check it oh, out. Yeah. Check it out. Well, I think that's it. Yes. You can find all the places. You can listen to the show at MidwestGameNerds.com slash links. The Midwest Podcast Network has a Patreon. The Patreon supports all the shows in our network. You could subscribe for as little as $1 a month and help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out at mpn.bz slash Patreon. Thanks again to JCK, Tomzy, David O, Corey Z for the contributions. One of the perks of joining the Patreon is to get early access to our bonus episodes that we call Side Quests. Side Quests are where we veer off outside the realm of video games into food, beverages, movies, TV, and more. Join our Patreon to get those episodes a week early. As always, we do appreciate your feedback, which you can send to MidwestGameNerds at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher. Next time, hopefully, I will have gotten to the Phantom Liberty part of Cyberpunk. Yeah, and Brian picked it up as well and yeah. hasn't had much time to play it. So hopefully we'll have uh, actually Phantom Liberty uh, uh, review topic discussion thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the next episode. Whatever you want to call these. And then uh, what else is coming? We've got Spider-Man coming out. Spider-Man Cummins on the 20... It's Cummins. Spider-Man is coming. Spider-Man Cummins on the 20-something. <laughs> 27, 24. I believe 20th. is the day. Uh, Sp- that's Spider-Man yeah. Cummins. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's, all, that's all that's on my brain. I don't know. You should There's just start quoting more. Theo Vaughn. Do you watch Theo Vaughn ever? I do not. You should. I, I've seen his. I've seen him. In, I've seen the memes that have been made out of his show. Uh, he is too funny, and he's got that southern drawl because he's from he's from Louisiana. So he's got like that New Orleans drawl. <laughs> it's good. Anyways, that's besides the point. The point is, there's more games coming out. We're hopefully going to talk about them. And, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us this time. We will see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.